know that there is incredible gold in this church, in the seat next to you that we don't even know about. There's so much gold, so much quality in a room like this. There's so many incredible people at our church who come every Sunday, who sit in the chairs, who don't make a big fuss, but they are absolute gold. And today we're blessed because we're going to hear from one such of these incredible people. In a moment, Lua Lima Hansen's going to come and share. And three and a half years that she and her husband came back from Indonesia, they've been sitting in our church serving as small group leaders uh, for those three and a half years, not making a fuss. What you might not know about Lua Lima is that in Indonesia, she uh, started and ran a home for girls who had been trafficked and who were coming out of trafficking and being rehabilitated. When I say that there is gold sitting in the seats of this church, man, that is not an exaggeration. That is the truth. This morning, we're gonna hear from a lady who not just talks mercy, talks justice, talks compassion. She has lived it. She is one of our own and we're blessed to hear from her heart today. So could you be upstanding as we welcome one of our own to come to the pulpit, Lua Lima Hansen. We're so pleased that you be here. All right, please take your seats. Thank you very much. Thank you for that warm welcome, Pastor Haley. Listen, before we start, I just want to do a huge, if we could do a huge round of applause for our amazing worship team and the awesome way that they steward their gifts and lead us in worship. Well, it felt like it took forever to get to this morning, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but a huge happy Mother's Day to all our mothers in the house. Happy Mother's Day to us, yeah? If you're a mother in the room, I'm going to get you to do something really quickly. And just where you're sitting or standing, please, can you get to your feet? Please. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, this morning, stay standing. Please stay standing. This morning, I want to honour you and I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the things that you have stepped out of, stepped over and stepping into the places that you are in now. I want to thank you for the courage that you have had to have to come through so much to be where you are now. I want to thank you for the battles that are seen and unseen, for the things that you call upon for God and His strength. And I want to thank you that you never gave up. I want to thank you for your support, your advice, your nourishment and your care that you have done with us. Thank you. I want to honour you for that this morning. Listen, while they're standing, if you're sitting around a mum, I want you to have a look at them and I want you to say to them, girl, you are slaying that outfit. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Listen, Pastor Don, Pastor Haley, thank you very much for trusting me with this platform. It is something that I honour and privilege, and it's not something that I take lightly. So thank you very much for trusting me with this platform this morning. Just a quick intro for those of you who do not know me or who are new in the space. My name is Lolly Mahanson, born in Samoa, raised in Auckland, South Auckland, in fact. Yep, whoop. Yeah? Married to an amazing, sexy, cool, loving, God-fearing husband. And... With three, um, and with our amazing children, T, Jade, Jacob, and Ariel. Listen, as I was preparing for this word, I was kind of reminiscing and thinking about some, some of the fond memories that I had with my children. And one of those memories was a game of hide and seek. 
we would play it quite a bit, but I'm a very competitive person. I'm super competitive. My, my kids will testify to that. My husband will tell you I'm so competitive. But I had to learn how to play a game of hide and seek with a child-friendly version. <laughs> kind of, you know, make sure that there were no tears and tantrums. But when I would play this game of hide and seek, as you would know, someone would have to do the countdown and that'll be me. And so I'd start counting by saying 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, Five and a half, five and three quarters, five and a little bit more, four, three, two, and a little bit, one. And I'd do that kind of to drag it out so they could have enough time to get away, right? And then I would do this thing where I would start walking around loudly. And that was so that they knew I was close by, yeah? And then I would follow that up by saying, where are you? Where are you? I mean, seriously, guys, who says that in a game of hide and seek? (laughs) Where are you? And the funny thing is, the most adorable thing is, is that my son used to have this stuffed hippo. And this stuffed hippo, he believed that no matter where he was hiding, as long as the stuffed hippo was covering his face, he was hidden, (laughs) right? And he would hide in the middle of the room, smack bang in the middle of the room on the floor. And though I could see his arms and his legs, he thought, no, you can't see me. And he thought he was hidden. And though I could see him, and though I knew where he was hiding, I would still say, where are you? Where are you? And, you know, when I thought about this, um, this fond memory, I kind of thought, hey, there's a scripture there. That, um, and I started thinking about the scripture about a couple of people who played their own game of hide and seek. In fact, I think that was the first ever game of hide and seek ever recorded in all of history. Let's not quote me on that. All right. But this game of hide and seek and the original gangsters of it were Adam and Eve. Okay, and if you are new here and you don't know who Adam and Eve is, Adam and Eve were created by God and he gave them dominion over everything in the air, in the sky, on the ground, dominion over everything. However, they were given one rule and the one rule was do not eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And during this time and in the busyness of life, in comes Satan disguised as a snake and somehow convinces them to take a bite of that fruit. They take a bite of the fruit, Eyes open, they freak out, they look at each other and they realise there's, you know, there's some differences here. And so they whack together some fig leaves in an attempt to cover themselves up. That's kind of the background as we move into this game of hide and seek. Genesis 3, 8, 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Lord, Father, may it do what you purpose it to do this morning. Lord, Father, use me, speak in and through me, that again, you would do what you had purposed to do in the space this morning. Amen. For those of you who are taking notes this morning, the title that I'm giving this message is The Pursuit of Holiness. 
So here we can see that the game of hide and seek is playing out with Adam and Eve being those who are doing the hiding and God being the seeker. And on, on that first line, we can see that Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking. I don't know about you, but when you hear the sound of someone walking in the direction that you are hiding, emotions start to be heightened. The senses become heightened. You start to hear things in a super sharp way. Your, your heart starts beating faster. You stop breathing and you can hear things in incredible ways. And I think if you were hiding behind in front of a wall, you kind of keep doing this thing where you check to see if there's anyone behind you and you freak yourself out because there's nobody and you scare yourself with your own shadow. Sorry, that's what happens when I'm hiding. Now imagine, I want you to imagine in this moment what it was like to be Adam and Eve hiding. I thought about the conversation that might have happened between Adam and Eve and they're kind of hiding in that space and saying, I can hear him. He's coming. Can you hear him? What are we going to do? Should we hide? Should we run? And I'd imagine that that Adam is going to be saying something like, this is all your fault. (laughs) And then Eve's kind of turning around like, oh no, hold my earrings. (laughs) Jokes. Okay. But you can, you can sense that something is happening in that space. And you see, when we, when we see the Scripture that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, what we can see here is that when Adam and Eve choose to hide, the manifest presence of God comes to the forefront of this postcard moment. There is a noticeable shift in the atmosphere, a heightened awareness that they have been confronted with God's character. There is a realization that something has changed. Something has changed. It no longer is what it was. The environment has been altered. This is the moment where they sense God is moving before they hear Him speak. In this postcard moment, what is happening here is when the presence of God comes onto the scene, what it is highlighting is the absence of his holiness. It is highlighting the absence of his holiness. And I'm not speaking holiness, it's all perfect sort of holiness because I don't believe our God would do that to us and set us up in a way that we could never achieve that goal because there is only one person that is holy and that is King Jesus. Amen? But when I'm speaking about holiness in this term, I'm going to go a little bit flash on you and tell you that the Hebrew word for holy is kodesh, which comes from the root word kadash, which put simply means to be set apart for a specific purpose. Holiness. Now, now we read that we can see that Adam and Eve in the busyness of life, high rolling, calling the shots, having dominion over all things, they disobey one rule. And in doing so, when they disobey that one rule, they stopped having intimate communion with God. And so they've chosen to hide, removing themselves from the presence of God, which then ultimately alters the plan and purpose that God had set them apart for. Amen. When we underestimate the value of holiness to be set apart for His specific purpose, when we do that, the first thing to go is intimate communion with God. 
when we look at Genesis 3, 8, we can see that Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. In doing so, this is their attempt to conceal, to cover up, to avoid, to mask, to hide, to obscure, to camouflage. But it is an all in the hopes that they will be hiding their sin and disobedience from God. And can I say to you that this has become the default response that gets passed down through the generations, throughout Scripture, throughout time. In fact, it is the same response that gets seen in the very next generation where Cain kills Abel and tries to hide it from God. We look at the book of Jonah and Jonah hid because he was afraid of how the people would respond to him. Judges 6.11, Gideon hid to avoid the great calling of God on his life. John 4, 5, the woman by the well who chooses only to draw water in the heat of the day in an attempt to hide from those who would judge her and look down on her. You see, these stories and many more like this gives us the history of mankind's response to sin and disobedience and how they have devalued His holiness to be set apart for a specific purpose. And I get it. I do. I get what would cause us to hide and I understand what it would be like to hide and why we would hide. But can I be absolutely honest with you this morning that I believe that there are some of us who have chosen to hide, like my son who believed he was hiding in plain sight. Some of us have chosen to do that in plain sight. I mean, you can be here every Sunday and you can quote some scriptures and you can sing hallelujah, praise God, amen, as loud as the next guy. But if we're being truly honest, there are some of us who are still chosen to hide behind some fig leaves. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that while we've been hiding, we've heard and sensed God moving in those spaces before he has spoken. When we see in that and when we read that scripture, we can see that when God calls out to Adam, he says to Adam, where are you? It is not because he does not know where they are. In fact, what I believe is happening here is he is disrupting them in their hiding place. His intent is to change the atmosphere to disrupt their state of being because I believe he wants to make it clear that where they are currently hiding is not where they belong. He wants to make clear that where they are currently hiding, they should not be getting familiar with or comfortable in. He wants to make it clear that this place, the state of hiding that they have found themselves in is not a part of their identity, nor it is a part of the dominion and the charge that He has given them over. This is not a part of the specific purpose and plan that He had set them apart for. Where are you? You know, our God, He's an omnipresent God and His desire is to see you and I walking in holiness, walking in the plan and the specific purpose that He has set apart for you and I. And this question, when we see this question, this question isn't, again, because He doesn't know where we are. It is for your benefit. It is for my benefit. It is for Adam's benefit. It is so that you you and I can recognize, take stock and understand that somewhere along the journey of life, We have chosen to hide behind something or someone. And I believe that in preparation for this word, I keep getting all these things that were being left in the hiding places. And I believe God is calling out to you and I, and He is saying, where are you? Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that trauma. Where are you? 
Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that shame. Where are you? Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that guilt. Where are you? Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that addiction. Where are you? Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that relationship. Where are you? Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that brokenness. Where are you? Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that fear. Where are you? Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that hopelessness. Where are you? I've seen you hiding in someone else's expectations that have unmet. Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that anger and that betrayal. Where are you? I've seen you hiding in that sin. Where are you? Psalms 139, 7 to 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there you are and your hand guides me, your right hand holds me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, get this, even darkness is not dark to you. The night will shine like the day and the dark will be as light to you. What an amazing God. What an amazing, amazing God. That He would chase after us, that He would pursue us, that His presence is forever on us. What an amazing God that He is so faithful and so loving that He would change our darkness into light. What an amazing God. Why don't you turn to three people and say, where are you? You know, I grew up in an environment of abuse, mentally, physically, emotionally, verbally, and we would be beaten on a daily occurrence, but if that wasn't enough, one of the other things that would follow these beatings was words. You're useless. You're worthless. You're hopeless. Your life will amount to nothing. In fact, without me, you are a nobody. And those words kind of etched into me. And so when I find that, found the opportunity to get away, I thought that I was running away to freedom. But what I didn't realize is that I was taking these words and I was taking these images with me no matter where I went. And though the bruises healed, those words remained. In fact, they became my hiding place. And along the journey, I kind of found other places to hide behind alcohol and drugs, sex and fear, shame and guilt and filth and rejection, and the list goes on. This particular moment, however, I, because of the lifestyle that I was leading, I had already had two miscarriages and two abortions. And it was this moment where I was preparing for my third abortion. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know God. In fact, I hated him. I hated him because I blamed him for my suffering. I blamed him for my existence. I blamed everything I could on him. I blamed him. And in this moment, while I was sitting alone in the clinic preparing for this abortion, I kind of sat there and I had tears running down my face. And 
I whispered these words to this unborn child and they were whispered out of selfish motives. I said, if I keep you, you couldn't hurt me. If I keep you, you couldn't leave me. You're going to need me. If I keep you, you're going to have to love me. Selfish motives, I know. And then I stood up and without knowing God, I looked up and I said, I'm keeping you. And I walked out of the clinic that day. Listen, along the journey that I had been on and still going on, I have become so good at hiding. I got so good at hiding that I hid for so long that those hiding places became my home. And I truly believe that there was parts of me and parts of my story and parts of my past that didn't belong anywhere, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I believe that it wasn't worth the risk of me coming out from this hiding place and being fully seen. See, and then I became a mother. God, flipped the switch there. When I became a mother, I realized that the way I loved came with conditions. The way I loved was triggered by everything I had hidden. It was upon the, walking along this journey where I realized that actually God's holiness was pursuing me well before I even knew him, long before I knew him. And the sound of him walking could be heard in my desperate need to be loved, which was hidden behind brokenness and pain. I can call up our pianist, please. Perhaps you're in the room today and uh, perhaps I've echoed some familiar hiding places for you and I want you to hear me this morning. There is a grace that has been given to you and I. This grace that has been given to you and I is a grace that empowers us to do the thing we say we cannot do. It is that grace that we need to draw upon to come out of these shadows. It is His grace that we need to give us the courage to separate ourselves from these hidden places, to be able to break the shadows of these words, these images, these mindsets and behaviours that seek to alter, sidetrack, dilute and devalue the purpose of holiness on our lives. Amen? These things that seek to sidetrack us from being set apart for His specific purpose. Genesis 3.10 says, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. See, when the presence of God came onto the scene, not only did it highlight the absence of holiness, what it also brought with it was conviction. And this was in preparation for what he wants to do next. You see, confronted with God's character of holiness, the manifest presence of God ushers in his conviction and results in Adam's confession. Adam admits his fear and in doing so, surrenders his hiding place. Why does this matter? Because this is where we can see that God is about to start resurrecting His holiness for all of mankind. This is a foreshadowing of King Jesus. For you and I resurrecting the holiness, what does that mean? 
Resurrecting holiness for you and I begins when we are bold enough, bold enough to step back into his presence, admit our fears, surrender our hiding places, and doing so, restore intimate communion with him. See, God calls you and I to live a life that is holy, to be set apart for his specific purpose. Not a life that is perfect, don't get that twisted. Not a life that is perfect, but a life that is holy. A life that pursues his holiness, amen? If you're in this room this morning and you've, you know, something has stirred and something has triggered and you've been sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, I'm done with being in this hiding place. I'm done with hiding behind all of this. I'm done with hiding behind fear, I surrender. I'm done with hiding behind guilt, I surrender. I'm done with hiding behind betrayal, I surrender. I'm done with hiding behind this addiction, I surrender. I'm done with hiding behind this brokenness, this pain, this guilt, I surrender. If that is you this morning, I wanna play a game of hide and seek with you. Child-friendly version, of course. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start from 10. I'm going to count down to one. And on the count of one, I'm going to get you to raise your hand. And then I want to pray for you. Is that okay? All right. 10, 9, 8. Where are you? 7, 6, 5. Where are you? 4, 3, 2 and a bit. Two in a little bit. One. Fantastic. Beautiful. Father, I thank you for every person that has put up their hand today. I thank you for the confessions that are taking place in the hearts today. I thank you for your grace that will continue to empower each and every one today. Lord Father, I thank you for invading the darkness and loosening the holds of those shadows and hiding places today. Father, I thank you that you continue to pursue and pursue and pursue them for your holiness today. Lord, I thank you for giving them a place to belong to be validated and to be loved. Father, in the days ahead, we pray that they would continue to bring everything to You, Lord, that there would be nothing that would stand in the way of them being found in Your presence and having intimate communion with You. Amen. Amen.